When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, talk about timing working out perfectly. February, Black History Month. Mm. Universal Pictures, uh, Universal Studios, looked at you and I, not you, but you and I said, you know what, y'all are black. <laughs> you know what, we, 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 we got a lot of movies that have black people in them. Mm. And we would like to just come in and maybe partner with you to find black folk. <laughs> and talking white guy. I'm happy to be here. Yes, <clears throat> to maybe highlight some fine black cinema for the month of February, which is Black History Month. So, and they said, oh yeah, we'll pay. And I was like, of course. <laughs> no, 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 actually, we were planning on doing, you've been around for a while, loyal, wonderful toasties out there. Then you know that we were planning on doing retro reviews on the regular, probably on Sundays, and so it just worked out fine. And it was very, very well timed that they asked us to do retro reviews for black cinema at the time we were planning on doing uh, retro reviews anyway. And that is what we're going to be doing today. We had a chance to pick certain movies from a list that we wanted to talk about. And I, at least I did. I, uh, I had a short amount of time to pick these out and get them uh, and, and let them know what we want to do. So I picked Do the Right Thing which I will explain why I picked this in a little bit, but I thought it would be the perfect movie to actually kick off our Black History Month retro reviews. Some of these retro reviews will actually be movies that weren't out too long ago too, mm -hmm. but cool. still worth talking about, even if it's over a couple of years, the impact that it left on black cinema and cinema in general. Okay, nice. But do the right thing, man. I saw that immediately. And I said, you know what, uh, I, 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 I was probably going to be talking about this at some point anyway. But I, I, anytime I can talk about Do the Right Thing, which I love. I don't know how you, have you seen this? Yeah, I saw it when it came out. Yeah, so and, did I. And, and maybe another time after that. Uh, I honestly, I missed what we were going to talk about it today. So I did, I, otherwise I would have rewatched it. Yeah, and I didn't, I, that's what I'm saying. You know, this happened so fast that I did not ask people to rewatch this or watch it at all. Have you ever seen this movie? No, I, I have seen the film. It's just been a few years since I saw okay. it. Okay. I think it's all one right. of Spike Lee's better movies. Oh, yeah. His best films. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, I love this film. I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, I too saw this in the theater when I was in high school. And, you know, this is a... Uh, there's a reason why I think this this is perfect to uh, talk about, kick our retro <clears throat> reviews off for Black History Month with this movie right here. Um, I, first of all, I have to say that uh, with this movie right here, Spike Lee, with this particular film, though this movie debuted a decade later, Spike Lee feels like he's something from New Hollywood, which is old mm -hmm. Hollywood. Mm -hmm. New Hollywood was that time that you had people like Francis Ford Coppola, mm -hmm. uh, Martin Scorsese, Brian De Palma, and a few other people who just got out the game early because they said, well, shit, Hollywood is changing and y'all not gonna let me do what I wanna do. Because that was a period where directors had complete control 
outside of the or within the studio system. Yeah, within the studio system. They said, hey, you know what? As long as you guys are making money and y'all are rebels and people are loving y'all, you're kind of you're you're kind of rock stars of cinema right now. And there's a young Brian De Palma and Martin Scorsese right there. They said, you know what? Y'all do whatever you want until one of y'all fucks up. <laughs> Which, you let somebody have complete control, uh -huh. that's what happens. Uh, but Spike Lee, man, Spike Lee was sort of like these people from New Hollywood, except with more black awareness and more emphasis on style. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. You know, uh, he embraced <clears throat> trends, clothes, music. Uh, he was definitely an auteur. Uh, also, like many of those uh, filmmakers that we were talking about just now, he was young. He was 29 when he made the movie, She's Gotta Have It, if you've ever seen that movie or heard about it. He was only 32 when he wrote, produced, and directed Do the Right Thing. Why are they playing this wacky comedy music right here? <laughs> Dude, that music fits nothing. So, sometimes the, the people that cut the trailers are brilliant, and other times you want to take them out back and shoot them. Yeah. <laughs> Sound like the soundtrack to Cool Runners or something. Like, that music wasn't anywhere in this movie at all, man. It's the antithesis of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sunny day in New York. Yeah. <laughs> and the pleasant denizens and how they get along with each other. Exactly, yeah. you, you know what it sounds like? Let, let, y'all listen to this music right here, man. I, I'll get into the review. Hold on. But y'all listen to this. It sounds like the wacky movie where all the white people go to the Bahamas. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole new culture down here. They really know how to live. Yeah. <laughs> you more like them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the people are so shiny. <laughs> it's the kind of music where they want to make sure we can get as much of a broad audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's going to be a scorcher today. Universal Pictures presents a new film from Spike Lee. Good morning, Miss Mother's sister. Now, Mookie, don't work too hard today. The man says it's going to be hot as the devil. I've been here 25 years. The South's famous pizzeria is here to stay. Trust me. Mookie, the last time I trusted you, we ended up with a son. I know you can't stand it. You can't stand it. Hey, hey, Sal, I'm going to burst on a wall here. You want brothers on a wall? Love. Get your own place. You can do what you want to do. 90, 90, 90. All right, there we go. More like it. <laughs> what I tell you about that noise? What I tell you about that picture? You folks and brother talk to him. You the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. The first time you turn your back, boom. Ah! Right here, man, in the back. Y'all take a chill. Like it's famous pizzeria. Hear me what you ought to do is work out that no good barber that messed up your head. And that's the double truth. Fight the power. Fight the power. You know, deep down inside, I think you wish you were black. <laughs> Who told you to step on my sneakers? Who told you to walk on my side of the block? Who told you to be in my neighborhood? I own this brownstone. Who told you to buy a brownstone on my block in my neighborhood on my side of the street? I can't even hear myself think. From Spike Lee, director of School Days, and she's got to have it. Good people, please, if we don't stop this, we can stop it now. We're going to do something we're going to regret for the rest of our lives. Man, I, I, I watched this again last night right before we talked to, to put this together to talk about, and uh, 
I'm just going to tell you right now, because this is not really a review review. You know, this is more of a discussion mm -hmm. uh, about this film right here. So I seriously, one of my favorite movies today. And I it still blows my mind that Spike Lee was 32 when he when he did this, man. If you don't rem remember the movie or if you need a refresher, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, cool premise. It's the hottest day of the summer in a predominantly black Brooklyn neighborhood. And the tensions are starting to rise as people's racial and cultural differences are starting to reach a boiling point, mainly between the, the neighborhood and this Italian owned pizzeria, Sal's famous pizzeria, uh, Sal played by. Uh, find him over here. Sal played by Danny Aiello, mm -hmm. who died the, not the, too long ago. The, the late da Danny Aiello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he died, he died like 2017. I think so. I know it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it was. He was like 83 at the time. Mm -hmm. Man, incredible performance by this guy, as you will see. Before I forget, uh, Danny Aiello, he re he had an Academy Award for that, right? Uh, I, I don't sure, know. nomination at yeah. least. Right? I think he won. Somebody let me know, but. Uh, it was funny because Spike Lee had become such a such a known talent at the time that he was uh, people were wanting to work with him. He was uh, one of those guys who was he was being seen as uh, one of the, almost one of the geniuses of cinema at that point. And so he was getting all these famous people to work with him. Sal, played by uh, Danny Aiello, was going to be played by Robert De Niro mm -hmm. wow. at one point. Robert De Niro just said, no, I don't want to play this. And they're like, why? He said, because part of the movie is things blow up when a dude named Radio Raheem doesn't want to turn his radio down. And Robert De Niro is like, well, shit, in my neighborhood, you walk into a pizzeria and somebody asks you to turn your radio down, they turn your radio down. He said, I don't want to say the problem. <laughs> the problem's the premise. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. He says, I'm just saying, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand this, Spike. <laughs> what, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so he didn't win, somebody said. Uh, but yeah, man. Uh, so the reason why I chose this from Universal's uh, catalog, which is one of the movies that they offered, they said you can make some recommendations. But I saw that and I said immediately, that's yeah, for sure, that mm -hmm. one right there. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a Black History Month review, uh, listen, this is more this, this right here, and it couldn't be a more appropriate time to talk about this movie. I mean, you got to understand that we're living at a time when America is still struggling simply to talk about race to a point where people in power are trying to ban talking about race. Right. It is interesting. Uh, you watch this movie and you realize what is 1989. Yeah. And so much of what's going on in it. You're like, wow, we still haven't progressed past this. No, no we have not. We <laughs> that, have that, not. I mean, honestly, like you, you, especially when you get to the death of Radio Raheem, you're like, this shit is what's happening every week now. Still. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's been happening. We just know more about it mm -hmm. because back when in 89, 1989, when this was out, people didn't have cell phones. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, people could get away with murder and just and, and hide it. Mm -hmm. But it's still happening, man. You know, uh, like I said, people don't want to talk about America's racist history. We are still, you know, people, you know, for a while, people is kind of like, all right, you know, we'll talk about it as long because we still control the narrative right here. But now that shit is coming out because we're in a very informational age or the, you know, this information age, a digital information age, people trying to ban discussions about race. Mm, you know, yeah. at first they tried to get in and said, oh, well, we just don't want to talk to these kids over here, even though it never was. And now they just, that, you know, 
I never like to use a slippery slope argument, but they slipped on that slope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the point where they just said, now nah, we coming after everything. Martin Luther King, fuck you. Yeah. Now, the thing with this is that uh, do the right thing. This is 1989. Do the right thing came in and took a bold heads on, just kicking the nuts approach to the topic of race, man. It is it is intentionally uncomfortable. You know, uh, I remember this is how uncomfortable it is. And I, I'd like to get your opinion on what you sure, thought about this sure, when you sure, saw it. Sure. I remember there's a white dude that I was in the National Guard with. And uh, he said, uh, he said, yeah, man, you know, I, I look, I want to be open minded. I want to be, you know, uh, uh, I want to be sensitive to, to 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 people like yourself at the time, which he wasn't. <laughs> he racist as a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but and we, were, we, we were friends. That's how yeah, it was. We were yeah. friends. But he told me straight up, like, no, I, I, you know what? No, I like you guys. I like black people. I just don't want you to marry my sister. That's all. <laughs> yes. You used to get that a lot back then. Yeah, yeah. 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 He said, but listen, man, you know, I... I like Sir Mix a lot, you know. I, I nah. tried. Nah. He said, "So everybody's talking about this this, this Spike guy, you know." I, so I tried to watch do, watch do the right thing, and you know, and uh, I, I I tuned in at the, at a time when it's just a bunch of black people just tearing shit up, and I said, "Nah, that's all right." <laughs> he said, <laughs> "He said that's you know that's a little scary to me." <laughs> so I'm like, "Hey man, you know, one step at a time." Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> go, go watch Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, go watch Soul Man again. <laughs> but what did you think? Well, you know, what, I'll, I'll say this. You know, I feel like the reason why this 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 film has continued to have such an impact for over thirty years, mm -hmm. you know, at this point, um, is it was doing something different. Then when you think of like a lot of black cinema, mm -hmm. it's like you either had black exploitation, yeah, right, you know, and after that, you usually had it where it was focusing on. The, the worst periods for black people like around the world, like, like struggle. slavery, struggle movies. Yeah, yeah. And so mm -hmm. I think the reason why this this film ruffled out this end and continues to do so now, even though it's 30 years old, because it did something radically different and it showed this 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 passion and this this and this righteous anger. And yep. it, that makes people uncomfortable. Yeah. Because it's like we like to see you guys as these kind of over the top ridiculous super cops, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or when you're getting your asses beat. Yeah. And so in this one, when you had a movie, it was just like, well, we don't want to <laughs> be those things, you know, I and mean, we're, we're angry because of all this this misfortune and, and generational mm. uh, trauma. And yeah, so it's like we've yeah. had enough. People don't like being confronted by that. And no, but, but, but at the same time, it's important for this, these kind of movies to be made. Oh, yeah. Because this is how people feel. And, and, yep. and, and, and righteously. No, that. See, you hit it right there, man. Yeah. I was it, you hit on. And thank you for doing that, because you hit on the point I was going to be bringing up. Sure. On the reason why people still to this day are uncomfortable watching Do the Right Thing, because do the right thing is not a struggle movie. It's an anti-struggle no. movie. Yeah. And this is at a time when Spike Lee was emerging as a voice when a lot of people of color didn't have the mm -hmm. kind of voice mm -hmm. that Spike Lee was going in and, you know, again, just breaking down barriers and, and having uh, given that represent, representation that people didn't have. You know, this is a movie where you're right. It was very angry. Yeah. It was very open and, and upfront about it. It was raw. It was very. It was. It was confrontational oh, with mm -hmm. it too. Oh yeah, no. The the movie is unrelentingly in your face. It, yeah. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. There's you know it, there's humor in there to to kind of you know <laughs> trick you coming into coming in the door and it's in your face the whole time and it never stops and most any movie that would even touch that would go to it but then kind of go like but it's okay and and <laughs> yeah. this doesn't do that. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. That's yeah. that. That's one of the things that's going on with this film, man. Uh, some people don't want to watch this because they still think because it's so bold, 
because it is so upfront and in your face with, with these issues that people think like, oh, that's Spike hating on white people again. <laughs> and it's and, and and contrary to what some people think, it's not. Everyone in this movie is a problem. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> yeah. in this movie is a problem. And still, everyone's kind of justified too. It is not an easy movie to, mm-hmm. like you said, it's no, it's no uh there's no one person here that says, oh, that person deserves sympathy. Almost, almost. 90% of the people in this movie are a problem. Mm-hmm. They're all flawed. They're, They're all, all flawed. flawed. You know, the thing I want to do with this, we're about to get into this discussion head on, even though we're here already, but we're about to get deeper now with this. Uh, so the talking points that I want to get done with this are, you know, the filmmaking, the writing, directing, the entertainment value of this, the production, uh, the impact of the film, its legacy. Uh, and also, and this is something I might tell people to kind of leave if you haven't seen the movie before. We're going to talk about the ending because the ending is, is that ending is more complex than I understood when I last watched this movie. Mm-hmm. Now that I really had to come in and make a discussion about it. But let's go ahead and get into uh, the writing of this film, man. You know, uh, Spike Lee, you know, his direction, but mainly his writing. Uh, man, the writing in this movie is incredibly sharp. You know, it's and, and the reason why that's lost on some people because this movie uh, is full, it's stereotypes. It's full of stereotypes, man. And I think that, you know, people notice that. You're right. I can't argue with you on that. Uh, you go through the different groups. All of them are just pretty much, if you take it for face value, visually they are in full, and I guess to a certain extent on the surface, their personalities too, very stereotypical. Uh, the Italians in here, man. The Italians in here, you know, they all wearing wife beaters and they're all about their bagoozas and bazinis. <laughs> <laughs> it's cabagool, Corey. Yeah, it's cabagool. Cabagool. <laughs> you know, all the, most of the names end in O. Yeah. Pino, Vino. <laughs> you know, and, they all, and every time they talk, they always got the, the Italian the hands. hands. You know, they always, they're always out like this. Uh, you know, and you know how the New York uh, Italian people talk. Yeah. Hey, Pop, hey, why you got to talk to me like that? Yeah. Hey. Oh! Oh! <laughs> you know, get a broom and sweep out front. Huh? Get a broom and sweep out front. What? Get a broom and sweep out front! <laughs> See, Pop, it's just what I was telling you. Every time you tell Pino what to do, he tells me to do what you told him what to do. Hey, what a matter you? you know? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> John, John Turturro is racist as fuck in this movie, but he's amazing. I know. It's fun. John Turturro is so good in this movie, yeah. man. Yeah. Everybody's so good. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the the Koreans, they all talk a broken English. You know, like <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. We black. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the blacks. All of them extra black, and I ain't talking about just color either. I'm talking about you know they they ex- they're, they're either extremely black conscious mm. to the point of just being obnoxious, like the character of Bugging Out. I, man, out of all the characters in this movie, Bugging Out was the one that <laughs> that just irritated me the most. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm like like John Turturro is a straight up racist, but I can't stand Bugging Out. Bugging Out, <laughs> appropriately named. Yeah. Bugging Out everywhere he uh, goes, he's man. An irritant. Yeah, he's a troublemaker, and he's not doing anything. 
No, he's not. No, he's, he's talking shit constantly. Yes, and he's always got his priorities wrong. Mm -hmm. Instead of going out and trying to do something for the neighborhood, he's worrying about that fucking wall. Yeah, <laughs> South Wall. I want mm -hmm. some black people on that wall. Why don't you do something for the black people off the wall in the streets over here yeah. for the neighborhood? Bugging out. Who's played by Giancarlo Esposito mm -hmm. yeah. before he uh, started making meth at his chicken place? <laughs> <laughs> so he was never a good guy. But man, he's you know he's he's just you want to. It's cool to be black conscious. It is great yeah, yeah, to like. Yeah, yeah. It is great to you know keep that awareness out there. But you ain't got to be obnoxious like him with it. Look, we got some brothers up on the wall. You know, Malcolm X, Nelson Mandela. You know, you know Michael Jordan. Tomorrow, come on, you get them out, right? Yeah, man. You know, it's it's he's one of the things that's leading to some of the biggest problems in this movie. Not mm -hmm. not the movie itself, but some of the problems that we see occur in the film. Mm -hmm. He's part of the powder keg that blows up, man. Mookie who's actually played, now a lot of people say Spike Lee is not the best actor and he's not in a lot of his movies, he's not. But for some reason here, and I don't know, I think he was just really invested in this film and maybe this personality is him that he, where he plays Mookie, but he was really good in this mm -hmm. movie, man. But Mookie is trifling. Mookie is... <laughs> <laughs> like Mookie makes points every now and then yeah. and Mookie's, you know, he's... He, He's you, he's he's dropping some knowledge and 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 you can't really argue with him on certain things that he sees. But really, man, this guy's just he don't want to do shit. He want to make quick money. Mm. Don't take care of his kids. Living with his sister. Hey, Sal's gonna be mad. You know, later, Sal. You know, sometimes I think you're more concerned about him and me, and I'm your own brother. Yeah, yeah, Mookie, that's real smart. You know, Sal pays you, Mookie. That's why you should work. Did you ever think about that? Yeah, yeah I work. Slavery days are over. My name ain't Kuta Kinte. Ain't nobody <laughs> said your name Kuta Kinte just because you're supposed to be doing your job. He escalates a lot in the film. He really does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hate that kind of shit, man. Go do your job, man. What I look like a slave? <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I feel like he's the prototype for Earn in Atlanta. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I was oh. like, well, you think you're smarter than everybody else, but you got a kid you're not taking care of and you're not working. Oh no, Earn is much. At least Earn tries. I mean, to keep no, Earn does finally start getting things going. Yeah, yeah man. And he's, you know, gets to the point, he's loud to all the black people in this movie, just just loud at some point. Uh, I just figured, okay, it's New York. That's just, yeah. <laughs> that is no, that's what it is. Yeah. No, that's what it is. Stressed it's also out. part of that, too. Because only people louder than blacks are the Puerto Ricans. I told you I am not going to babysit for you, and that's it. What are you talking about? Yesterday, you said you were going to go, and now today you're changing your mind? No, I'm not. I had to take my headphones out during that part. I know. And when I did, I looked at there was blood on her. <laughs> no, I remember watching this in the movie. And it opens with her dancing. I was like, man, this chick is so hot. And Rosie starts, Perez. Yeah. yeah. And when she started talking, I was like, ah, oh, never mind. Oh, oh yeah. I just could not handle that. Every that time. Voice. Yeah. Every time she said Mookie, my penis got soft. Uh -huh. <laughs> Mookie! Mookie! <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> I changed my name. Uh, <laughs> uh, so all, all of these are, look, straight up, you can't argue with, with anybody, man, when they say that they're stereotypes, but it can be also argued that these stereotypes are very much intentional. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because, you know, a lot of the roots of racism go to stereotypes. And so everyone in this neighborhood is looking at each other as stereotypes. Yeah. We're kind of seeing everyone through the eyes of everyone Interesting. in this movie right here. Everyone is looking at the most basic 
form of everyone, the most basic form that allows those people to dislike those people, compete with those people, hate those people, see them as, as superior to those people. Uh, you can see that. Now, if you've seen the movie, y'all, you know, there's a really brilliant moment in the movie where it, it, it stops. And this is what I love about Spike Lee. Spike Lee, he, he never goes out, except every now and then, especially if he's working on a studio movie that, that where the script was given to him. But his own filmmaking style is, I don't know, man, it could be avant-garde in a way. He never really tells a straight narrative when he's writing his own thing, sometimes to a fault. But there's a moment here where the movie stops for everyone to just pretty much look at the camera and really get how they get out how they feel about the other groups here. And when he... When these people come and do this part, they are describing these people in the worst stereotypes that they can. Dago Wab, Guinea, Garlic Bread, Pizza Slinger, Spaghetti Benin, Vic Damone, Perry Como, Luchado Pavarotti, Solo Meal, Non Singer, Motherfucker. You gold teeth, gold chain wearing, fried chicken and biscuit eating monkey. Yeah, he make us sound good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> fried chicken and biscuit eating. Fried chicken and biscuit. I'm like, oh, that's kind of a comedy. You sound delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a plate of that. Yeah. In fact, all of these sound like a, a dish on a racist menu. You spaghetti slay. <laughs> hey, we can come together around bread. food, right? All yeah, the cultures. Man. Yeah, we got good food. Yeah, no, this, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this stuff was terrible. It's vile, but to deliver these people, man, it's an amazing scene. And, and again, the dialogue is written so well, and these actors are so good that they even make these stereotypes, uh, these delicious. ugly, these ugly scenes delicious, <laughs> and also just make these lines sound brilliant. Get a biscuit eating monkey, eight baboon, big guy, fast running, high jumping spear, chucking 360 degree basketball, dunking, titsoon, spade, mulling yarn. Take your fucking pizza, pizza, and go the fuck back to Africa. Okay, you actually ready to roll now? <laughs> <laughs> I was just warming up, Spike. I was just warming up. Get in the character. Yeah, the camera didn't even feel yeah. that. Uh, uh, that was just him at the craft service. Yeah. Table. Uh, you know, the thing is, is that I believe really that these were written intentionally to be stereotypes because, uh, as I said, on the surface, that's how they come across. And I believe that's why... Because he, because they're, they're, you know Spike is trying to reflect what the neighborhood sees in other people, but when they start to get into these characters, when these characters start having one on one interactions, when these characters start actually, when we start getting more complex with them, mm. we start getting more you know deep into their characters. Man, um, they start saying some things of substance. Mm -hmm, right. You know, they their dialogue exchange has real meaning. And, you know, of course, I can't show you every part of the movie that does that, but I can show you some of my favorite parts. I really love that exchange between Mookie and, and, and uh, Pino, played by John Turturro. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. yeah and, and that's where you can see, like, okay, you know, no, these characters were written that way on purpose to look like flat, stereotypical characters. Because once they start really getting into the deep dialogue with them, they're really more complex characters than we initially, initially thought. You know, all you ever talk about is nigga this and nigga that. And all your favorite people are so-called niggas. It's different. Magic, Eddie, Prince are not niggas. I mean, they're not black. I mean, let me explain myself. They're, they're not really black. I mean, they're black, but they're not really black. They're, they're more than black. It's, it's, 
Stand, make up your mind. Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, when somebody starts stuttering, yeah, stammering like that, it's like, yeah, 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 you haven't really thought this through. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, you ain't saying nothing. Different. Yeah, to me, it's, it's different. You know, deep down inside, I think you wish you were black. Get the fuck out of here. Laugh if you want to. You know, your hair is kinkier than mine. What does that mean? And you know what they say about dark Italians? You know, I've been listening and reading. You've been reading now? I've been reading about your leaders, Reverend Al, Mr. Do, Sharp Tone, Jesse. Keep hope alive. That's fucked up. Keep hope alive. <laughs> <laughs> I really can't stand John Turturro, but I also love him in the movie, yeah, man. He's, yeah. he's had so many great lines. And John Turturro is just a great actor. Mm -hmm. yeah. Him and Spack Lee are actually good friends, too. Oh, oh I figured. Okay. Yeah. Hey, yeah. well, after this exchange, I figured they would play. Yeah. They, they <laughs> yeah. Got that out the way. <laughs> they get very honest with each other with that. Well, it's the kind of thing with the movie. It's like, you know, when they're when they have these one-on-one -on -one conversations. Like, What's the old saying? Like, uh, a person is smart, but people are dumb. Mm, and so mm. it's like in this movie when I've noticed when there's bigger groups of people, like then they become more stereotypical. Then it gets like really rambunctious and over the top. Yeah. But when you have more intimate conversations here, it's like, okay, you've actually seen their perspectives. Yeah. As flawed as their perspectives might be. Exactly, man. Mm -hmm. And plus, that's a real thing where people, they don't want to justify their, you know, they, they, they want to defend their racism by talking about that the black people that they really love. Well, you know, they're not really black. Mm -hmm. And I, I am not <laughs> bullshitting. I spent so much time in high school trying to describe to everybody how Jimi Hendrix is black. I don't mm -hmm. know what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. And people are like, well, you know, sure, he, he might be black, but there's a white man in there somewhere. <laughs> Good Lord, what's up with you? Running shit. <laughs> what is this? Is like, is this like meet Dave and this little white man drumming Jimmy <laughs> Who told you? Oh, no. They're, they're <laughs> Abort! Abort! Get out! Now they figured it out. <laughs> There's a white man in there somewhere. And that's how Jimi Hendrix died. <laughs> got exposed. <laughs> um, you know, this... Uh, the, the fi this film is a great example of two things, actually, I want you to, to, to keep in mind. Uh, I'll play just a little bit of this again, just so you can understand the point I'm trying to make. Pino, all you ever talk about is nigga this and nigga that. And all your favorite people are so-called niggas. It's different. Magic, Eddie, Prince are not niggas. I mean, they're not... I want y'all to imagine what this would be like if Quentin Tarantino had directed this. Oh <laughs> I want y'all to look at anybody who thinks that Quentin Tarantino was not being sincere when he's dropping that N-word in his movies. You look at a movie like this where it, they drop that word only when they have to say something. Yeah. yeah. You know, or only when it feels natural. Sure. I ain't saying you always have to use that word to prove a point. Use it for a character that uses it, but mm. in a Quentin Tarantino movie, that they just be saying it anyway, no matter yes, what. Yes, just, just throwing it in there just to, just to bring up the word count. Exactly. Or for a comedy bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like when he uses it when himself. He, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is like, what? Yeah. yeah. Especially when he says it, it's like, stop it, because yeah. you, it, it hurts my ears to hear you and say it. And based on what we know about those other two kids, especially Jules, Jules will kill them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. I'm always saying, like, what the fuck? Every time you watch that movie, that's the one that, that just doesn't ring true. Doesn't make any sense. You know, yeah. That, that Jules doesn't even get mad. I mean, I get it. He's got Jules over a barrel. He yeah. needs a, a favor from him. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's still, his face would be like, you said it to me one more goddamn yeah, time. Yeah, he's like, I'm trying to be cool now. Because yeah, so, <laughs> there's even a scene where he said, listen, we're we going to be cool, but if, it, they, we, if he gets out of line and we got to do what we got to do, we're going to do what we got to do. We're going to beat this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, man, the other thing is, uh, you know, looking at this scene right here is a, is a, is, is, it's a great example of having a lot to say. You know, Spike Lee has been accused of trying to say too much in his movies sometimes. And I agree with that. But in this movie here, he weaves his messages into dialogue so well that they don't come across as preachy. Again, they feel very natural when they're talking. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. it was one of the times he was able to do that, I think, successfully where it it blended. It all led to one yeah. really big thing. It's all these pieces that are in and up as opposed to his other so many of his other movies, especially recently, and it's a lot of, yeah, and what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And you're yeah. like, can we stay on one or two su- exactly. subjects? Yeah, yeah, I agree. No, these movies can be disjointed when he's trying to say something. Here, he balanced it out well and made it feel natural. Also, even if some of these characters are, oh, oh let me see here. Uh, yes, people, even some of these characters are uh, stereotypes. They are entertaining. You know, I mean, it's just the moments where you just these characters are funny. And I don't care how flat they may come across, Uh, which in this movie, that's a feat within itself to make them entertaining. Because, as I said, most of the people in this movie are not likable people. Mm -hmm. I don't you know, I understand that, you know, they they, understand the root of the problem, the the socioeconomic problem of what's going on with most of the people in this neighborhood. But still, they're a bunch of assholes, man. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I. I, I, I was thinking about that scene where they, I mean, because there's some scenes where you just people they do things they ain't gotta do, like the 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 scene of that uh, that guy going by in his convertible. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. And the guy said, "Man, listen, I want to drive through. I'm waiting for y'all to get out the way. I'm in a convertible. You're not gonna get me wet, are you?" And they were like, "No, nah, man, go on through." Well, go ahead, you go ahead, just hurry up, man. <laughs> they did not have to no. do that, man. Yeah, but he was kind of being a dick. Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, he asked to move first. <laughs> I mean, and he said, listen, I don't want to drive. I just want to drive through. Y'all going to get me wet now. And I'm like, no, man. Come on. I even know. I, know. I will say some of that is on him, too, because I would say I ain't trust none of these motherfuckers, man. I would have backed up. Back why, up. Would you, why would you trust them? Plus, plus he's on that ski, ski, ski. Like, right, you get out of the way. Like, all right. Man, raise your hood. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a whole production. You got to get out of the car and, and you do it on the old-fashioned No, well, I mean, go- it'll, it'll take it part away, but you still got to get out. Oh, and push okay. It over all. Well, shit, you know, go in reverse, man. <laughs> go around. <laughs> yeah, pick a different street. <laughs> yeah, take a detour. Yeah. <laughs> they lit your ass. <laughs> They're aiming it too. They want to make sure. They did not have to do that. Man. I know. Like if he had just gone through quickly, he might have got a little bit of a spritz, but it just yeah. like a fire hose on it. Man, and, and everyone, everyone in this movie, I guess almost everyone. That's like little baby Martin Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I just feel about how the way he talked, man. He had a lisp in the movie. Oh, I, I don't remember. He had his tongue out the whole time. He talked like this. Oh, come on, mm-hmm. man. I ain't gonna, ain't gonna get too wet. I was like, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he, but he's hardly in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably did that to make him stand out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, you know, and and almost all these characters, like I say, about 90 percent, 95 percent of these of these characters in here, all of them have their own racism. All of them have their own prejudices. Uh, you know, we we see it in, 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 in some of the characters that initially we think we're supposed to actually have sympathy for. Twenty C energizers. D, not C, D. C energizers. D, motherfucker, D. Learn to speak English first. All right, D. You know what? I. I can see where you're coming from. 
I mean, he shouldn't be he shouldn't be that abrasive with it. But damn, it's I, one letter. I I, I I get the frustration <laughs> and I get why he's coming from. It's just that learn to speak English. That's when you're like, don't don't say don't, that. Don't you're, say you, that. You just no. lost the argument. <laughs> yeah. Now you look like the ass. But, yeah, but, exactly. but they pushed his ass. Just, man, look, you heard me. It's one. We ain't actually say a whole word. Right, we actually right, say yeah. a letter. Yeah. D. Oh, see, y'all fucking with him now. <laughs> but still, he, you're right. I mean, look, he has his own prejudices yeah, about yeah. these people. So everyone in here, as I said, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily Spike Lee's making a pro-black movie right here. He's making a movie about just the general nature of racism itself, mm -hmm. which we will dive into in a little bit more about that message. Uh, but... Uh, I was talking about how some of these characters are entertaining, despite them having flaws, despite them probably being unlikable people eventually, uh, and despite them being stereotypes. Some of my favorite uh, people in here are some of the biggest stereotypes that we see in movies. Uh, the old black dude sitting around talking oh, shit. Oh, hell yeah. They, they, they were the best part, especially Robin Harris. Yeah, the three black of tears <laughs> here, man. Robin Harris, yeah. Man, you know, it's, it's like, like, like they ain't really old, old. But they probably too old to be sitting around doing this. Like, do something. But there's a lot of people in here who are just kind of around, just hanging out. <laughs> yeah. You're like, don't don't y'all have jobs? But but the, but them, yeah, they on they, you know they're on disability. Yeah, and, <laughs> and drunk and drunk. Yeah, they, they're, you know, they're getting hot. They like they drunk on cheap beer. Mm -hmm. And you're right. You know, at the time I was like, oh, these three old old dudes. And I'm looking at them now, like, they ain't that old? They ain't that old. But they're, they're, getting, they're getting ready. They're training. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Y'all yeah. too old to be sitting around doing nothing, though. Right, right. This shit is like, you're right, man. It's kind of like Sesame Street, where this <laughs> character just sitting around doing nothing. Like, what, what do you do? Like, there's one store that everybody goes to and does it and, uh -huh. and, and works there. Hoopers. Everybody else, if you ain't working at a Hooper store, you ain't doing shit. <laughs> but, but Robin Harris, man. Robin Harris had me laughing. Robin, the late great Robin Harris. Robin Harris was an up and coming comedian back in the nineties. Man, he was set to blow up. He's y'all. A lot of people remember him as the dad from House Party. Right, right. He's he's one of those comedians like Bernie Mac that right at the point of hitting the high point of fame, about fifty, had a heart attack and had, died. Had a heart attack and died, man. Uh, but he, this guy is so funny that in the middle of the movie, he just starts performing a comedy bit and forgets that he's in a movie. <laughs> and he's so funny that I think Spike Lee just let it just go let it and didn't leave a cut because there's a moment this brother looks straight at the camera. <laughs> he like he's, he's so used to performing to a crowd. Right. He looks at the camera point blank while make, you know, while, while doing his comedy routine. And you out your fucking mind? It ain't never too hot or never too cold. Fuck it. I mean, he looked at the camera and like, you know what I'm saying? Boy? <laughs> I mean, look at this, yo. For fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I watched this in the, in the theater. I was like, did he just look at me? <laughs> Sweet Dick Willie is his name. Right there. Frankie Faison. Is that the other is that who they, that yeah. is? Okay, it's hard to I was like, I think that's him, but it's hard and to tell from the Haitian angle. guy with that. I don't know who that is. I, I'm not sure that guy's name. I want to say it's Taj Mahal, but I'm not sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Um so, but, but he was he would pop up in these movies all the time. Yeah, I just, yeah, I've seen that guy. Yeah, yeah. I just never remembered his name. Mm -hmm. I never even knew his name, I don't think. Somebody said he looked like Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Man. 
if y'all want to know what time he is, go back to the old archives of Double Toasted. And he'll look, they ain't lying. He looks he look just like that yeah, yeah. with that hat on. Uh-huh. I tell you, man, uh, what's really impressive about the writing, though, is clips like the ones that we've been showing, man, and, and throughout the movie that we can't show. Because all of this seems like uh, slice of life vignettes. You know, all of these are just little chunks of story that we get, little interactions from people that we get. Uh, and, and it can be hard if you don't know anything about the movie or haven't seen it in a while or haven't seen it all to see where things are going. You know what this is leading up to, especially because a lot of this movie is played up comedically. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it may, may, it's played up for laughs. Um, but most of these vignettes in this movie, they're like little packs of dynamite that just laying throughout <laughs> yeah. right. the film. And all of it is going to contribute to this explosive and powerful ending that you get, man. And while people don't know where it's going, you know, we're all laughing at this. We're all having a good time. But there is there is a sense of dread that happens because they're just there are characters here who just won't let things go (laughs) in the movie. They're characters who are going around, as we said, starting trouble. And we know that that since they're troublemakers, they're going to be the ones to just make this whole thing collapse because everybody's already mad. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if there's if there's one villain in this movie, it's the sun. The sun, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just frying people's brains. With people already on edge and you got this one clown going around just edging people on, you know, that that's the one that when I watched this movie for, for the first time, I didn't know where it was going. Whenever bugging out popped up on screen, mm-hmm. I said, As I don't know. He, yeah, he he is gonna he's gonna do something to bring all this tumbling down. Sal, we're gonna boycott the <laughs> Again, like Sesame Street. I was gonna say it's so Sesame Street right there. <laughs> oh damn you with it. Damn Muppet popped up right there. <laughs> <laughs> Sal, we're gonna boycott your fat pasta ass. You're gonna boy, you're gonna you're gonna boycott me. You haven't got the balls to boycott me. He's gonna boycott me. Are you kidding? Here's your boycott up your ass. You're gonna boycott. You know, uh, wow. you want to say to Sal, don't don't engage with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you man. Have a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. That's just, but bugging ass a hard guy to uh, to ignore, man. <laughs> True. I mean, come on, he's popping up like a muffin <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> in the window. Sal, how you gonna ignore that? <laughs> I think there's a hand up his behind right now. <laughs> popping up there like a black conscious Elmo. <laughs> uh, even with that hair, he looks like a muppet. He does, yeah. Um, you know, before any of this stuff happens, at the beginning of the movie, at the start of the film, I mean, I I love the way you have the movie has has its own like uh, uh what would they call it the the storyteller the barb you know the, oh yeah the, yeah the guy that goes through like in Shakespeare and other tales from that 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 period your stories were kind of held together or connected through somebody going in and narrating mm-hmm. usually a musical person a barb or something but they but here you have Samuel Jackson. I love this narrative device right here where he's the he's the DJ. And he's he's the one that kind of there's so many characters. He's the one that kind of introduces us to a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. He's the one that actually sets the scene for the events that are about to happen. He's the one that sets the atmosphere 
for the neighborhood. I have today's forecast for you. Hot! The color for today is black. That's right, black, so you can absorb some of these rays and save that heat for winter. So you want to get on out there, wear that black, and be involved. Also, today's temperature is going to rise up over 100 degrees, so that's a Jerry Curl alert. That's right, Jerry Curl alert. If you have a Jerry Curl, stay in the house, or you'll end up with a permanent plastic helmet on your head forever. I want y'all to notice something, man. Uh, About... 88, 89, you start to see Jerry Curls disappear <laughs> because because movies started pointing out like coming to America. Coming to man, America, did. mocking it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 Coming to America, even movies like Hollywood Shuffle, oh, they yeah. started targeting the Jerry uh, Curl. Uh-huh. And people start looking at them curls and oh, like, man, yeah, I got okay, yeah. I gotta get rid of this. I gotta wipe this shit <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah. Um uh, it, it's funny. Uh Samuel uh, Jackson, I mean, Spike Lee brought him back to do mm-hmm. the same kind of role in Chirac, where he was, you know, the, 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 the bard, the one who's narrating. The, yeah. yeah. Um, but the, the role he plays as that neighborhood DJ on the radio, mm-hmm. uh, that has disappeared. Like, like you know, now now radio is all automated. It comes from one place. And you get a DJ. They're just there to do a little comedy bit and really uh, tee it up for what's already programmed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But back in those days, you would have a DJ who would come on and could talk to specific things that are going on in your town. You remember, a, yeah, you remember the Warriors? Yeah. Where the, uh, the Warriors had a DJ telling everybody what where the mm-hmm. Warriors were mm-hmm. and, and also watching out for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you ever I, seen the Warriors? I, I have, but it's been so long. long. I don't, long I don't remember ago. that DJ character. Yeah, she, yeah, she would come on. It was a female. And she would uh-huh. come on and tell every, you know, she would kind of tell the Warriors where to go, where it's okay. safe and whatnot. Yeah, huh. man. But that that was one of the things I always lamented went away with with uh, corporatized automated radio. Yeah, it was like, man, you're just gonna mm-hmm. lose everything that made you know made your station local. Yeah. Hmm. Well, today he'd be a podcaster now. <laughs> I suppose, but but you know, even then the podcast would. It would be edited and then, <laughs> yeah. and even those are made for national audiences, that is not true. for local. That is true. I'll tell you one of the things also that was going on with Samuel Jackson during this time, uh, Samuel Jackson popped up in movies and I, he used to be the scariest black person I'd ever yeah. seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah he did. <laughs> <laughs> and coming to America. <laughs> yeah, those, 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 those big, intense eyes. Yeah. That and I was stare you down without blinking. Yeah. And this movie where everybody's on edge and losing their mind about to blow this neighborhood up, he's the nicest black person. I know, there. he's the calmest one. Yeah, he, he really is. Yes, because he's insulated. <laughs> <laughs> he's in the shade, it's probably cool in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I it's true, man. There's a great scene in here. I don't have the scene. I'm, I, I didn't, you know, you can watch it for yourself. There's a great scene with Mookie to show you just how, just how bad he is at his job. He just stops on the streets to talk to people and take showers on the way and whatnot. Yeah. And Samuel Jackson, as uh, he plays, his character is called Senior Love Daddy. And Mookie's out there just talking to uh, someone in the middle of the street, and Samuel Jackson's back there like, hey, my food, hey, I'm hungry. <laughs> it's a really funny bit, bit of business that, uh, that Spike Lee has going on. He does that a lot where there's this little side business that's happening, things in the background, because it's so populated by so many people mm-hmm. in some of these scenes. He's a man. Spike Lee is a, is, is a brilliant director, man. Uh, uh, you only have to look at this movie, which is his masterpiece, if you ask me. This and Malcolm X. Ma- Malcolm X. Yeah. Mal- Malcolm X and this. Well, I, these are probably some of my favorite movies from him. Uh, Inside Man is great too, but that's a studio film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you ever seen it? I, I love Inside. That's probably my favorite film of, of, of his, but it's very different from. Yeah, these, no, these I, are I love these are it great too. Though. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's cool about this is that again, this is seen as the 
movie where all the races can't stand with uh, each other here. Uh, it's not really that. It plays a big part, but it's not really racial. It's cultural, actually. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, these people are looking for any cultural difference to just be shitty to each other. Uh, so you have the the mayor, the the mayor of uh, uh, of, of of the neighborhood, who's played by Ozzie Davis, and you know he gets tipsy, man, and just like any old drunk black dude walking the neighborhood, he stops people like, "Hey, let me tell you something, young blood." And you know people don't want to hear that shit sometimes. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But but you know, but he don't really bother anybody. You know, he's not he's not out there. He's he he's not he's not really pushing people like bug it out mm -hmm. is actually to be honest with you he's probably the closest thing to spider-man that this neighborhood has Ice cream. Ice cream. Oh, you're right <laughs> this man's saving people's lives everybody else is going around screaming and hollering and trying to you know eat pizza and, mm. and snow cones and everything this man's saving kids on the street right here and yet these people in the neighborhood black people they find a reason to mess with him. And the reason why is because they're young and he's old. It's disrespectful. I know your mamas and your papas raised you better. Yo, man, I hope you finish your little soliloquy, man. Because first of all, I've been being straight for years. You understand what I'm saying? And, and you're right. I, I wouldn't stand in the doorway and listen to my five children go hungry. I'd be out getting a job, doing something, anything to put food in their mouth. And you're right. I don't want to know your pain. I don't care to know your pain. You don't want to put yourself in this situation. This dude just worked himself out. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he got a little tizzy. You don't be mad about him. <laughs> every day, every day, every day, I see you walk up and down this block, inebriated, never sober. But that's what DA stands for. Demaya, drunk ass. He's like, what the fuck is wrong with what you? Hap what happened? What are we talking about? <laughs> he ain't even mad at him. I heard he just called you. He's like, I don't even know what we talking about anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody chats that dude just got daddy issues. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Well, even know yeah he doesn't like being, you know, he's defensive because somebody told him about himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that dude came out of nowhere and started messing with him. And this is like, so these people are just, it's cultural, man. You know, anybody looking for any difference in anybody to just go after them in this film right here. It all contributes to the destruction for a day of part of this neighborhood, man. Um I tell you, yes, there's a lot of social issues going on with this movie right here. Uh, but the movie really is ahead of its time while it talks about other things. When I watched this last night, man, I noticed things that I really hadn't noticed before because I didn't think they were a big deal at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, when I watched it, I was just, I, you know, I didn't, I know that it would have a lot of relevance 30 years later. Yeah, I know. I that, know. That's, that's sad. Same yeah, stuff. yeah. You know, it's... <clears throat> It's touching on race issues, you know, uh, of course, but it's also touching on non-race issues. Before th these things were widely talked about, uh, you know, there's a lot of tension in this neighborhood because everybody's starting to feel that they don't really have as much of an ownership in this neighborhood anymore. They don't have as much of a say in this neighborhood. Businesses are being taken over by non-black businesses. Uh, gentrification. Mm -hmm. They, you know, seriously, before people even knew the word gentrification. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> when, 
when gentrification sounds like something you would do in your garden or something like that. <laughs> you know, this movie touched on it. Uh -huh. I own this brownstone. Who told you to buy a brownstone on my block in my neighborhood on my side of the street? Yo, what you want to live in a black neighborhood for anyway, man? Motherfuck gentrification. Well, as I understand it, this is a free country. Man can live wherever he wants. Free country? Free country? Man, oh I should fuck you for saying that stupid shit alone. You know, and, I mean, Bug and I kind of got a point. He got a point. He got a point. It's just, I still hate him. You know, I, I, no, I can't stand him either. But, you know, it's like maybe calm your ass down. It's a better way to say it. Yeah, it's a better way to say it. But that scene also has a, again, Spike Lee's writing is so awesome, man. He uh, That that scene has a great ending. Why don't you move back to Massachusetts? I was born in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> like they ain't got no leg to stand over this guy right here, yeah. man. But this is Spike. This is why Spike Lee was so mad at. Oh, what's your boy, man? Hey, Ma. Hey, Ma. The cat's looking at me. Oh, oh I forget. Michael. I, I, Michael. Michael Rappaport. Oh, okay. oh yeah. That's why he was so mad at Michael Rappaport because Spike Lee has been talking about gentrification. Before gentrification was talked about, he was warning people that this would happen, and people would not listen. And they're yeah, like, right. "But the but the white people make the neighborhood nice." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, uh, like I said, a lot of people feel like they just don't have a voice in the neighborhood anymore. But I was talking about how you talked about things outside of race issues, man. Spike Lee in this movie was talking about climate change before <laughs> was people. He? Yes, before I people, mean, I guess when it's getting so hot. I guess. Yeah, but a lot, but man, in 89, I mean, people were mentioning yeah, climate yeah, yeah, change. Yeah, yeah. And this is people, this is 30 years later. Spike Lee told us if we don't do something, mm -hmm. we're going to be swimming. And he, he, and he mentioned it with science that we hear very much today. If this hot weather continues, it's going to melt the polar caps and the whole wide world. And all those parts that ain't water already. Will surely be flooded. <laughs> Dumb ass, simple motherfucker. The way you read that shit, eh? And polar caps. Oh, don't worry about it. But when it happens, and I'm in my boat, and you black asses are drowning, don't call for me to throw you no rope, no lifesaver, or no nothing. Well, that's a old black man thing to say. <laughs> like we say, it ain't really that old, but like you said, they yeah. gotta, they're, they're in training. training. They're yeah. trying, yeah. 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 <laughs> getting, getting ahead of themselves. But I mean, in general, I mean, I'm sure but people yeah, are yeah. talking about it, but yeah. what, you know, people like you and me, we, they, we weren't talking about no polar caps back then. Mm -hmm. That's back when people thought polar caps were a brand of popsicle or something, man. <laughs> yeah, what, wasn't that a, a candy you could buy at the movies? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man. Uh, oh, and here's another thing. Hey, listen. I know everybody going around talking about Wakanda forever and all that kind of stuff, but back then nobody gave a damn about no Black Panther. Let's, let, let's be real. You know, everybody talking about Spider-Man, Batman, I, I, Superman. I did. Yeah, but, yeah you, but you nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but wasn't nobody talking about Black Panther on that kind of level. Mm -hmm. sure. Spike Lee was trying to tell us though. Black Panther eat pizza? We eat pizza, <laughs> boy. Was there an issue where Black Panther was eating pizza? Maybe. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Team up with Spider-Man. Spider-Man's like, hey, Black Panther, you're cool. Let's go get some pizza. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm sure. You, you got to try to sound famous. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Boy! It's a bit greasy on the top, but uh, I like it. You don't eat this shit. <laughs> we uh -huh. must get this in Bacan. <laughs> 
<laughs> Start gentrifying Wakanda, Mar. Is that what you want? <laughs> you want Sal over there? John Turturro and all of them? Oh. <laughs> I tell you something, man. Spike Lee, we're talking about being coherent. He really was at the top of his game, man. This is where Spike Lee, where everything that Spike Lee sometimes gets criticized for, all his ideas, putting all his influences out there, giving homage to things, all of that worked out here, man. He was able to do it, and none of it felt like it was stopping the movie at all. Mm -hmm. Spike Lee has so much to say, so much style. Uh, it can be too much going on sometimes. There's been a criticism of mine about him. But uh, this is the one movie where everything works for me. You know, the social messages, uh, you know, were story driven here. They didn't stop the movie. But he also stops to pay, not even stops. He works in homages as not only part of the story, but as character. Uh, he He's paying homage to old black Hollywood. Mm. You know, we got Ozzie Davis mm -hmm. and Ruby D. Yeah. In this movie, man. And those are the two characters. Really. I say not everybody in here is unlikable. Ozzie Davis and, uh, and, and, Ruby, and Ruby D, D are actually the cute characters in here, man. You know, they, they you know, they're old people, but they're like, they, Ozzie just flirting with her, man. Mm -hmm. And she, she's, you know, she's playing a little hard to get, but she's, she's flirting back just, just a tiny bit. Mr. Mayor. <clears throat> I saw what you did. That was a foolish act. But it was brave. That child owes you his life. Well, I wasn't trying to be a hero. I just seen what was happening and I reacted. Didn't even think. <laughs> Probably wouldn't have done it on second thought if I had thought. Yeah, the mayor, getting to be an old man, I ain't run like that in years. I went from first to home on a bunch single. Scored the winning run. It was two out in the bottom of the ninth. It was August 1st. You know, I was hoping they cut to the staircase and she'd be gone. <laughs> She was never even there. <laughs> I'm like, man, shut up. She's trying to give you some ass, man. <laughs> See, that, 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 was like, that scene right there, I was like, yeah, he's one of those people that you don't talk to because you say one thing yeah. and he's going to sit, stand there and tell you his life story. I got a guy like that in my neighborhood. And then mm. I just got to where I was like, I've just, I've learned to embrace it. It's just, it's yeah, just going to be that way. Yeah. <laughs> Some people say, now you understand what was wrong with that brother. <laughs> what is situation, man? <laughs> every day, every day, every day, I'm sick of you talking my ass off of every day. I'm trying to just go to work, try to walk down the street, and you just talking shit all day. Man, that woman was trying to give him some ass, and he was just sitting up there just yapping. Yeah, talked himself out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shit, she's gone. <laughs> That's a beautiful shot, though. It is. That's a beautiful shot right there. Um, and the light comes on when he starts talking, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. It actually, it's it's that light coming on is accentuated just a little bit by a sound effect. I don't know if you can hear yeah, it. Yeah, no, I heard it. Yeah, yeah if you hear it, man. It's uh, getting little touches really make the movie. That child owes you his life. Well, I wasn't trying to be a yeah, I, I just seen him. <laughs> and, I think and he's off. <laughs> you lit him up. Yeah. Yeah. You flipped the switch, turned him on. Yeah, yeah I wish that light turned red. <laughs> Slow your ass down. Uh, and, you know, Spike Lee is giving homage to black Hollywood, but also Spike Lee. A lot of people don't understand Spike Lee is... He has a lot of influence from just movies in general, mm. uh, just a lot of films. Like he loves, he he loves movies, man. And there's a scene in here where there's Radio Raheem, and he's talking about love and hate. He's got the the, the love and hate rings on, man. And he gives this big story about 
how love defeats hate or how the right hand defeats the left hand. Let me tell you the story of right hand, left hand. It's a tale of good and evil. Hey, it was with this hand that Cain iced his brother. Love. These five fingers, they go straight to the soul of man. The right hand, the hand of love. The story of life is this. Static. One hand is always fighting the other hand. And the left hand is kicking much ass. I mean, it looks like the right hand love is finished. But hold on, stop the presses. The right hand's coming back. Now, I saw you shaking your head. Do you know where that's from? Is it Night of the Hunter? Yeah, it's Night of the Hunter, Robert Mitchum. If y'all haven't seen this movie, it's, it's a really weird and kind of scary film, but uh, Robert Mitchum plays this dude who's, he's a preacher, but he's chasing these two kids down. And he's, he's okay. yeah, he's like, yeah, he's, he obviously has a home. It's timely. <laughs> oh, no. it's, it's, a, it's a really good movie though. He's gonna, and he's gonna harm these kids, but uh, he's kind of trying to warm up to them first. And that speech, that Radio Raheem gives, Radio Raheem played by Bill Nunn, is the speech that Robert Mitchum gives as this crazy preacher at Night of the Hunter. Ah, little lad, you're staring at my fingers. Would you like me to tell you the little story of right hand, left hand? The story of good and evil? H-A-T-E. It was with this left hand that old brother Cain struck the blow that laid his brother low. L-O-V-E. You see these fingers, dear hearts, these fingers has veins that run straight to the soul of man. So you can see where he got that from, mm -hmm. man. It's yeah. lifted from this movie. That's him really playing, paying homage to this film. Mm -hmm. That movie is directed by a guy named, I think, uh, Robert, Lop Ro uh, Robert Lofton. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he... When we would watch cartoons as a kid, he was all—he was that guy. Was like, this is mutiny. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. He played, yeah. he played Quasimodo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. uh, Charles Lawton. Charles Lofton. Yeah, Charles Lofton. Yeah, it's Lawton. Charles Lawton. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That Charles Lawton. Yeah, uh, he was a. Uh, That's right. Played, yeah, uh, Admiral Bly on the uh, uh, mutiny on the bounty. Mutiny on the bounty. Mister Crusher. Yeah, he. <laughs> He was an actor. He played Quasimodo, I believe, at one time, mm. but uh, directed one movie, and this was it. Oh, okay. And some people say this movie's amazing, and mm -hmm. people wonder why he never went on to direct another film. Yeah. You should watch this movie, y'all. It's, uh, it's a strange movie, man, but it's, mm. uh, it's really good. Um, production is great in this movie. Uh, Ernest Dickerson did the cinematography at the time. Ernest Dickerson's gone on to direct tons of TV shows and episodes. He did Walking Dead for a while. He, he directed that movie Juice also. Mm. Uh, a few other things. Um, but the feeling of uh, being hot in this movie is done so well. Because everybody's sweating. Because everybody's <laughs> wet. Yeah. Everybody's moist, moist, man. You know, everything is everything is red, you know. Everything is colored red or hot or, you know, uh, very bright, hot colors, man. Um, no, so he's, it, I mean, it's the, the feeling of heat is, is portrayed very well in this film right here. Uh, but Spike Lee's style, I told you, he's an auteur. He's a, he's a, he has a style where he embraces style. He embraces trends. You know, he, he, he embraces the culture and loves to put that in his movies. Might date his movies a little bit, but he loves to, he, I mean, he, he loves it. Uh, and I just love that. The, he also believes, like, do not waste any part of the film. I remember him being on an uh, interview. I don't know if it was on BET actually years ago, but he just says, "Man, I don't, I don't understand when movies just like put words up on the screen." 
He said, I think that sucks when you used to open a movie, open a movie with credits and it's just a blank screen showing names. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he, he believes like, I believe every frame should be used for something artistic. That's why you have that great opening in here. Like Rosie Perez dancing. Mm-hmm. I mean, doesn't really have anything to do with the movie. No, nothing. But he just he just wanted a really cool image, man. And he wanted to some, some really artistic production. So he just had Rosie Perez dance. Man, everybody back in the day. Yeah, yeah, God yeah. Damn, yeah. who is this girl, oh, man? Yeah. Rosie Perez. And then she opened her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Monkey. Oh, oh. Yeah. He created a Spike Lee was very influential because he embraced style. Mm-hmm. Man, Spike Lee has such an influence on pop culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you look at his Nike commercials and just some of the music that he included in his movies, he created a a, a, a hip hop anthem. You know, uh, uh Public enemy, uh, fight the power. Chris was like, tell me what that is so I can never go there. <laughs> what name, what is that? Was that song created for this movie? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, uh, they included on the album, but mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, but you know, this is that I think this was created for the film. Uh, but you know, he created a hip hop anthem. But what I love about this is that because listen, if any other studio had control over this, Spike Lee was kind of given more leeway than the average director. Mm-hmm. But if a studio had control, this this movie would have been full of just hip hop and R and B songs and whatnot. I love it that he was going in and. He created a hip hop anthem or, you know, he's responsible for putting a hip hop anthem out there. But uh, also, I love his use of jazz in the, oh, in the yeah. movie, man. Always. Yeah. He loves in jazz. All, in all of his movies. Yeah. He, yeah. Who's the composer the, that, that does most of his? I don't know. I know that he uses like the Harlem's bo- the Harlem Boys Choir a lot, oh, too. No, no, somebody got Lee. I'll, I'll think of it when I'm not thinking about it. Yeah. Somebody got, no, somebody got this right, man. Public Enemy, just as a, just an aside here, Public Enemy did a song, an anti-crack song called Night of the Living Bassheads. Mm. Flavor Flav was on crack the whole time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chris like, that's uh, not hard to believe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. I can see that. <laughs> I mean, it was probably an, an intervention song that just never hit home. <laughs> <laughs> right, fuck it, just put on the he album, He needed man. inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was on crack the whole yeah, time. Yeah. The thing they were saying, don't do. Yeah. And you look at the video, it's like, yeah, yeah, he was, he was on crack. Yeah. He's on something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, we're talking black excellence, man. This film, uh, this film set up Spike as a cinematic voice. And I mentioned this already. You know, we're talking about Black History Month, talking about black cinema and little black history month. Spike Lee, you want to talk about black excellence here uh, and big contributor to Black History Month. I mean, this is something where Spike Lee, he he came in at a time and, and, and you know, he was he had a great cinematic voice and he was an auteur trying to say something, man. And he wanted to represent the unrepresented in film. You know, there was not, y'all gotta understand, like there was nothing really like Spike Lee on that level. True. There were, if you go back in the day, I mean, you're talking about like the early days of, of, of film, 
30s, 20s, you know, there was there was black cinema, mm -hmm. but it was always kind of kept at a, at reach. Yeah, mm -hmm. with limited resources <clears throat> and and you know, they were clipped in their message and this had none of that. Matter of fact, it had the resources and a, a talented skilled director. That was one of the things that set it mm -hmm. apart. It's like, wait, this is a black film and the people working on this actually know what they're doing? Yeah. They're actually a cut above? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm not used to this. <laughs> well, it wasn't that they didn't, you know, like black directors didn't know what they were doing before. It was that for some reason, Spike Lee came at a time where he was given a chance that other people didn't That's have. That's what I mean. Yeah, he he was given a you know probably a budget that people didn't have. He was given a, a voice that people didn't have. Uh, you know, he 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 came in at the right moment and he was the one. And, and he the, the the thing is not just the right timing. I mean, he was a unique visionary guy, mm -hmm. or is a unique visionary guy, man. He he had the talent to back it up. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, it's you know it's uh it, it was amazing, man, uh, to see this movie and see that this guy was like, wow, this. this if you seriously, if you ask me, Spike Lee creatively is a genius, you know. I've seen just based on about two or three of his films. You can say whatever you want to about the rest of the stuff. Um, you know, now here's where I'm going to ask people to go, and we're about to wrap this up here because much has been said about the end of this movie, you know, because because this is Spike Lee. You know, the movie is done with a strong black voice, but a lot of people still see Sal for some reason as the villain here. And we already told y'all the son is the main villain in this, but <laughs> also, you know, I don't, it's a very complex ending, man, where like everyone is a contributor here and yet everyone is also sort of a victim. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's still, again, it's very complex with this man because the real enemy here is not Sal, uh, it's not even really the police per se, you know. It's racism and the feeling of 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 being of feeling powerless, you know. That's the enemy here. And the thing about this movie that I think is brilliant is that no one offers any easy answers. <laughs> Spike no, Lee, that's all. very honest. That's yeah. very honest. Yeah. <laughs> Spike Lee has, in fact, Spike Lee has no answers. He says, you know, I can I, I can I can say what we should do, hence do the right thing. But there there are no answers to be had. And that's I, that, I think this that's cool for a movie to try to come out and say, I got a message, but I ain't got no solutions. Mm -hmm. That's you probably know? why the movie has been able to stay relevant for 30 years. <laughs> As we, you know, we open yep. up this conversation. Yeah. You know, I mean, if he was to propose answers, it would come off as preachy. Yep, it sure would. That's a great point. And might date it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Because mm -hmm. everyone has a moment where they don't look good, but everyone also has a moment where they're kind of sympathetic, except except bugging out. Except bugging. <laughs> well, I actually no. have. A, I know. I, I know. have something about the only people I would say probably are the police here, but you know they're the ones who are probably the, the least unsympathetic, if deserving any sympathy at all. Which, if you ask me, none. But we're going to talk about the ending here and just how com com complex this ending is. So. If you have not seen the movie and you don't really want to go into detail about it, this is the time to walk away. That's why I kind of saved it for this part. But for those who have seen the movie, it, it could be a great discussion here. And I would love to hear what other people have to say, because, I, you know, because the movie has no answers. What I see here might not be the same for everybody. But I can tell you what I see here and see what you guys think, man. You know. You know, the plot of the film, if you've watched the movie, we've already talked about that and you know that. Everything comes to a head in the climax of this movie when Bugging Out goes out and starts messing with Sal. And then he, to a point where, because there are no black people on that wall, 
Let me see if I can pull it up here. Because there are no black people on that wall. Uh, bugging out is going around and telling everybody to, 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 to boycott. Don't go yet at Sal's. Sal's needs some black people on the wall. Um, no one is buying. No, no, no one is buying this except one person. Radio Raheem. And Radio Raheem is already upset that he got kicked out earlier for walking in with his radio and being told to turn it down uh, for playing his music too loud. And here's where things finally blow up in this in in incredibly tense, but if you ask me, incredibly directed scene. But, but and, and listen, I, <laughs> and there are things here that I have because everybody's thinking and they, they and they, they everything here plays into everything that's wrong that's going on right now. But man, everybody's playing this so brilliantly, and I, you know, and sometimes I wonder, you know, bugging out. I think bugging out means what he says, but everybody's do people really mean what they say, or is everybody just trying to say the meanest things that they can because everybody's starting to get on everybody's nerves. Mm -hmm. Or is this people's true nature? Did it take this moment to bring out what people were really, really feeling about everyone? Because, you know, I look at this and I see, you know, I, I think about who dropped a slur first. You know, I think about who's the one that's pushing this situation. Who's the instigator? Uh, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll pick it up in a little bit. I'll fucking tell you fucking nigger ass. Somebody in the chat said, I am yelling too! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why! <laughs> uh, you know, you look at that and it's like, man, what is, are people really feeling this way? Did they keep this down inside? Are they just trying to hurt each other? Are they just angry? You know, I look at this, but whatever happens, it's too late because once words are said, things escalate resulting in the police showing up because Raheem attacks, he attacks Sal, the police show up, try to get him out of there, and it all results in the death of Rita Raheem. Gary, that's enough! Gary, that's enough, man! Gary, that's enough! Shut the fuck up! You know, and I look at that and uh, there's a very interesting point to all of this. So I'll make it a little bit. But as we know, that's not even the part where things really blew up. They, they, it's almost like they were about to kill Sal mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and his sons until Mookie, of course, goes and throws a trash can through the window. And then they focus their attention on the pizzeria and burn that to the ground. You know, 
So what's interesting here to me is that as hard as this is to watch and as hard as it is to see somebody being murdered by the police, Spike Lee makes it hard for us to, 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 to I think for a lot of people to sympathize to, 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 it makes it hard for people to sympathize and also he's also giving it to the people out there who want to say, well, he deserved it. You know, I think that's one of the things that's hard right here because, you know, Radio Raheem is, is you know, I'm looking at him here. Radio Raheem, and what I think is great about Spike Lee is that he's challenging people with his death. Are you going to be the person mm. to sit up here? He's he's looking at your morality and challenging you and see where you, see where you stand because, you know, Radio Raheem is not a sympathetic person. And I think it's great that Spike Lee did not make him that. Mm -hmm. He didn't make him some innocent that's, that you could easily say, that boy didn't do nothing to nobody. Mm -hmm. Radio Raheem, I don't care what you say, is not really a good guy, man. You know, like I said, he's he's abrasive. He's confrontational. Uh, you saw how he had his prejudice against the Koreans and all like everybody else mm -hmm. in his neighborhood has a prejudice against somebody else. He was about to kill Sal. <laughs> Now, I think he's putting it out there to see where people stand because he's not a sympathetic character. Where are you going to be on this? Are you going to be somebody who looks at this and you, you're willing to admit that he's a, not a good person, but also willing to admit that he didn't deserve to die? Are you going to be this person that says, well, I mean, he didn't do what the cops told him to do. So, you know, because I read stuff online where people oh, try to justify imagine. Radio Raheem's death and yeah. people come in all the time. And I'm one of those people I say, listen. I will tell you, Radio Raheem was not a good person in this movie, at least not the way, not from the little that we saw of him, but he did not deserve to die. No, uh, the the thing is, and I'll say this over and over, I, uh, you know, the police have a higher responsibility than mm -hmm. everyone else. Uh, yeah, you know, Radio Raheem and Sal, yeah, Radio uh, he, <laughs> Sal does not deserve to die, but they, they are two citizens where police are hired to protect the citizens. Yeah. And especially where you, you know, it's clear where the other cop is saying, Dave, that's, a, that's enough. Right, yeah. No, yeah. The, you know, that's the point. You heard the cops say, stop. Radar Raheem did not deserve to die because he died at the hands of racism. He died at the hands of a racist cop who was respons whose responsibility was to detain him. Mm -hmm. That guy killed him because the cops already had disdain for this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. In fact, you could hear the cops driving through and what I'm saying, just looking at the people and saying, what a waste. They were looking for a moment to kill somebody. Gary, that's enough! Gary, that's enough, man! Gary, that's enough! You know, that's... That, that's that's that cop acting out of anger and yeah, murdering yeah, somebody. Yeah. Well, you gonna say I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say, you know, <clears throat> typically the, the 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 job of a police officer is to de-escalate the situation, not to <laughs> yeah. make it make it yeah. worse. And that's what exactly what happens. And and again, uh, you, know, you know, to the point that was made earlier, th this movie is just been able to affirm its legacy because yes, we still have people who are assaulted, murdered by police. And nowadays you have like all these news organizations are like, well, they, they weren't this, you know, uh, this uh -huh. innocent person. Yeah. But that's not yeah. the point. That's it's not the, point. the fact yeah. that they should just because, yes, they they also did bad things in their past. You can dig all that up, but they shouldn't be killed mm -hmm. <laughs> like on the Especially spot. Some of the and everybody else says stop. And that's what and that's what what Spike Lee was saying in 1989. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 30 years ago. This is you understand this is like 28 years before George Floyd. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 20 something years before George Floyd, man. And this is George Floyd, uh, you know, oh, in yeah. this movie of right this here. Movie, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Again, ahead of his time. Yeah. Right here. But at the same time, you know, again, it, it a lot of people still don't like I'm I'm telling you, I don't think I didn't like Radio Raheem. 
And no, he moving. was a problem. I think that's no, the he, point. Yeah. yeah, but but again, you know, that's a complex thing because a lot of people don't want to even say that. You know, but he did not deserve to die. No, yeah. I mean, it, it, there's so many characters in here. You could put yourself in their place, yeah. and you think if I had a business and somebody came in blasting music and I said, "Please take that out," and they got in my face, and he even said, "If you want my music off, turn it off." Well, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah. I'll turn it off permanently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Sal. Sal's a, a very complex character here with this because is Sal a victim? Yeah, and you know, and they wrongly blame the death of Radio Raheem on Sal, man, to the point where they're about to turn on him. Like I said, it feels like they're about to kill him. And this is, uh, you know, and this is this this is after it looked like people loved Sal, man. This is people, you know, the, just early in the day, people were defending Sal. Would you like to sign a petition to boycott Sal's famous pizzeria? What? What? Man, I ain't boycotting Jack, you string cheese head motherfucker. I'm about to go get a slice right now. Shit, I was born and raised on Sal's pizza. What the fuck Shit. you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... And I hate to, I hate to actually defend bugging out, but bugging out, you know, the, the neighborhood I think is turning on Sal at this moment because one, they're still under the shock of the radio Raheem being, you know, being killed in front mm-hmm. of them, mm-hmm. and they want something to blame. Yeah, and you know, and you're the cause of the police coming. I don't care if you call them or not, but also, just minutes ago, they saw the what they probably think is the real side of Sal. You know, when Sal starts dropping the N-word, Sal, Sal is talking about take that jungle music out. See, the thing with Sal that I think bugging out is right about when he says get some black people on that wall. He says, you know, I don't ever see any any American I- Italians coming in here. Mm-hmm. I only see black people in here. And Sal tries to sit up here and justify that by saying, well, you know, they love my food. I've been in this neighborhood for a long time. You know, I, I, I love the people. Sal does not really love the people, man, as much as he, he might tell himself that. He might convince himself that, but he does not. And let, let me tell you why. Because there's a scene where he's sitting down with his son, uh, you know, Pino, played by John Turturro. And he actually reveals the real reason why he's in this neighborhood. Maybe we could... Can we sell this and open up a new one in our own neighborhood? There's too many pizzerias already there. He didn't want to open up in another neighborhood because he didn't want to compete. In this neighborhood here, real estate was probably cheaper. You know, he there was less competition. And really, when you think about it, you know, bugging out was wrong with the approach that he was taking. But in a sense, he's kind of right. Like, what are you giving back to this neighborhood? Mm-hmm. You say you love the people, but what are you what are you doing for the neighborhood? Nothing. You're here because it's just cheaper and less competition. And at least that's the way I saw it. So while Sal is definitely a victim, there's Sal is not really, a, you know, he doesn't really love this neighborhood like he comes across. And if you ask me, that's. That was the real Sal coming out when uh, he was upset, when he was yelling at Bugging Out. I mean, not, uh, well, Bugging Out and Radio Raheem, man. You know, and they saw that finally. They saw what this guy was about. You know, at least that's the way I saw it. 
Well, I, I, I always feel that you can't judge a person based on how they act on their worst day. Like if I, if I took get your worst moment and I just said, this is who he is, that wouldn't be right. And there's, there's, there's going to be more to you than that. And while uh, Sal might not be a, a lover of, of black people, uh, it, it, he, you know, he, not only did he not have any trouble, you know, take, accepting their money, but he wasn't wasn't actively going after anybody. I mean, you I feel like everybody in this film has to be judged on the fact that it's hot and tensions are high, especially at that point. And he's got everybody in his face. Uh, what, what, you, what you see come out is that's certainly a part of Sal, uh, but it is an extreme situation. And he is everybody's yelling at each other and trying to say yeah. the most hurtful things they can. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that I see is that I just don't think Sal thinks he's the person that he thinks he is. Oh, yeah. No, no he's no. sitting up here saying, I'm about the neighborhood. It's like, no, it's a business move. Yeah. You know, you. I don't think he has contempt for these yeah. people, but I do think he feeds into those racist thoughts about certain parts of these people. Oh, for sure. And, yeah. I, don't, and I don't think he loves his neighborhood. I think he loves... I think he I think he loves not having to compete with other people and being a thriving business in this neighborhood. But, you know, I... I, I but I don't think he's malicious in any way. I just think he doesn't. I think he thinks he's something different than what I, he really I, I, is. I'll, I'll give you that. He, he, yeah. He. I mean, like, like most people, they they think one thing of themselves and they're in denial about who yeah. they are. And that's the. Those are the characters of the movie. To be fair, like everyone is like that. Like everyone yeah. wants to present themselves as a sp in a specific way. But when you really, when you see them, it's like, oh, you're not really like that. Well, that's so, what I mean yeah, by it's, it's all contradictions, and yeah. they're all flawed. Yeah, 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 that's what I mean by everybody mm -hmm. in this movie is a problem. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not just uh, everybody's a problem. Yeah, because like, like if anybody in Sal's place, uh, I don't know that they would go to racial slurs, but they would certainly have that aggressive reaction to what was going on. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame him for having that reaction, but if people, I think people are starting to realize this guy really is not about the neighborhood like he thought he was. Yeah, you know, uh, and that's why they turned on him like that. Uh, even though I don't, you know, did he deserve to have his place burned down? No. But at the same time, I think there's a lot more complexity to, to Sal than what he even knows about himself. Yeah. I mean, yeah. When it gets to the end, I was like, man, he didn't, you know, I don't know. He deserved to have his place burned down. But, you know, it is one like the more you think about it or look back at it is like, you know, had Mookie not thrown that 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 trash can through the window, they they, they might have killed all they, of them. Yeah, ex exactly. Or then yeah. again, they might have just stood there all day talking because a lot of them love to talk and scream without actually doing anything. <laughs> so it could have just gone on for some hours and then nothing happened. And I think that's what Spike Lee wants from this movie is for people to have these kind of conversations because mm -hmm. like, yeah, interpret it. How you yeah. want to interpret it? What do you think is the right thing? What do you mm -hmm. think was the worst thing? Exactly. You know? Because no That's why it's great. <laughs> yeah. And, and But the thing is, Everybody here, I think, like I said, even Bugging Out has a point. Everybody in this in this in this movie has moments where, and that's the complexities of life. I don't think any of these people are like true true villains, except for again maybe the cops. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. that one cop for yeah. sure. But I don't think anybody's true true villains here. I don't think anybody's truly good. They're complex like human beings are, and they just had a really. This was like this uh, awful, terrible day, you know, mm -hmm. where things finally came to a head, even though this fool did not help at all. Screw <laughs> <No. laughs> the top of his lungs. Like, why don't you calm down? I was just told him, like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to get some photos in here. Yeah. Yeah. But, what what yeah. I got to do to get you out and of my shop? And the next day, he would have come up with something else. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's what, what he would have done. Yeah. 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 I would yeah. just humor him all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, when are you going to get some black people on this wall? Man, I ordered it. It's coming. Yeah. But yeah, man, yeah. Spike has no answers, man, because there are no answers. 
You know, everybody's somewhat of, of a victim. Everybody's a problem. You know what? And the reason why it's presented that way in the movie, that might even be an exaggeration. But everybody, you know, everybody's presented as a problem because that's what Spike Lee is trying to say. I got no answers here, man, because there are no answers to be had just yet, except that one simple thing. And there's no answer to it. It's just some advice. We all have to understand each other at some point. How we get to that point, I don't know. But we have to do that at some point. Otherwise, the cycle will continue. Mm -hmm. And he even said somewhat to, so, something that affects uh, at, the end of the, at the end of the movie with Senior Love Daddy, who comes in and just simply says that one message right there. We're going to learn to live with each other. I don't know how, but we're going to have to. I saw it, but I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it what I saw. Are we going to live together? Together, are we going to live? You know, that's... That's that's another movie right there, you know. There's a, a couple of scenes after that, but that wraps it up, along with a quote from Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, <laughs> and even then, right when the quote from <laughs> right when the quote from Malcolm from Martin Luther King comes up and is saying, "Hey, violence is not the answer," you know, if we if we if we villainize our enemies, we won't understand them, and everybody's saying, "But okay, oh, that's yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah, man." Okay, and Martin, cool. then, then Malcolm X comes up and like, "Yeah, but you fuck with me though." <laughs> like, all right, I don't know what to do anymore, man. You know, which both both of those statements are right. You know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. you know, we We cannot continue to thrive on violence. We have to understand people. Also, I have, I have the the the, the God given right to defend myself mm -hmm. if I am if I am attacked or hurt. Mm -hmm. so. Sure, sure. Well, you know, I mean, the solution. I mean, it may not be a, a direct solution to their problem, but it's thirty years later. That whole neighborhood has been gentrified, and nobody can afford <laughs> to live go. there anymore. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. They're all chased out anyway. <laughs> Goes. Then you see why then Spike Lee put in that whole thing of love and hate. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's that's a part of the message of the movie that's hopeful. You know, where he says, I believe eventually love will come in and kick hate's ass at some point. Don't know when, don't know how, but that love has to win. Right hand has to beat down the left hand somehow. Uh, wrapping this up, has the movie aged well? It is the 90s, y'all. So there's some I mean, things. Fashion. I mean, that's always going to not hold up. Well, that's the funny thing because, you know, the, yeah, there, there are certain things. That, yeah, man, this is this is on the cusp of the 90s, mm -hmm. which means that, they, listen, you can't even say it is outdated. Like with most movies out there, they just become products of their time. Yeah, they become sure. time capsules. Yeah, but, you know, with fashion, it, it, certain things that are in that one decade you go out and then come back around and again come 20 back. years later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm just looking at... The dancing. I wonder when the cabbage patch is coming back. The Roger Rabbit and all that, man. Because the movie's dated in the beginning. I mean, or as I said, it's a time capsule because Rosa Perez is doing every dance uh -huh. from that that's known for that period. Yeah. Can play and all that, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh you know that that again. I don't even look at that as dated. It's just it it's significant of that time. Sure. Uh, there are some things that I you, don't think there's anything wrong with with date stamping your movie. No, no, not at all. And that goes with things that are probably considered offensive now. I mean, at the time it was not. You know, you could drop the. It was a time where you could drop easily the R word in the movie. Mm -hmm. What's the R word? You're gonna pay now. You're gonna pay on layaway. Yeah, we know where that. How much? Yeah, thirty years. You've been coming in here at least three times a day. What are you a retard? 
<laughs> he looked down like, well, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Man, D- Danny Aiello so is is amazing. This movie, I watched a lot of his scenes just over again. Um, you know, offensive now, but that was something you could do back in the day. Oh yeah, no it's problem. The vernacular, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, I wonder how people would feel about the portrayal of 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 the mentally challenged now. You know, that's become a thing. You know, how, how people see the mentally challenged and autism and things like that. Forgot the actor's name. I should look him up because he's a great actor. And he's it, it, this guy is kind of a chameleon in a lot of movies, too. Oh, he was in Dope. He played, uh, he, he played I forgot, he played the dad at the end of the movie of some some of a major character. Oh, you, you would recognize the guy if I told you his name. And he's a character actor. You, you would... If you saw him, Roger Gwenver Smith. Smith. Yeah, yeah, he plays the I man. I forget. Uh, uh, oh, what was a uh, Smiley mm-hmm. who was going around Mookie, Malcolm, Martin. Well, one. That one. Tonight, when I get paid. When, when, when. Bye. I was just, man. But to the movie, I was just like, come on, man, get it out. <laughs> Growing up, there was always somebody like that in our neighborhood. No, same yeah, here. Yeah. Man, shit, I was, I was in Waco and I shouldn't have done it. I was trying to take some video and I did this thing where I accidentally, I thought I had pressed the button. And didn't, and then when I, when I thought I was cutting the recording off, I was actually cutting it on and just recorded a bunch of stuff in my pocket and everything. Oh. But there was a guy in front of my neighborhood. This just yesterday, I was going out to I was going out to meet a uh, um, uh, Chicago, Chicago John. John. Mm-hmm. And in my neighborhood, man, you either got somebody who's always walking or always running. This fool just running down the down Golden yeah. Road and everything, <laughs> and waving at cars as <laughs> he went by. Yeah. So yeah, there is that guy. Yeah. But you know. A lot of people might say today, that's an exaggeration. Uh, that is not know. an exaggeration. They, they can say that all they want. I, there was always one or two guys in, in my, our neighborhoods that, that were like that to a T. Oh, yeah. There was a guy, a guy named Howard. Howard was uh, autistic. And Howard would escape out the house sometimes. Mm-hmm. I remember riding with my friend Kevin, Kevin Stevenson. And we were riding back home one night, and in the headlights, Saw Howard. Howard was probably about like 16, 15, 17. But he's out there running his tidy whities And he always had this, and no, no bullshit, he always had this bowling pin that he would always run around shaking. I, I don't, you know, I that don't is think random as fuck. Wow, yeah. I don't think it's a real bowling pin. I think it was like plastic. Uh-huh. But he had, he had this bowling pin and he was just running around. And we, we, <laughs> It was like it was like seeing a it was like seeing a mythical creature because he is Israel because yeah. we we turned the corner oh. and the headlight was on him he ran by and, oh, no. the fuck? and I maybe asked Big Kevin fun. I said do we do we get out and try to catch him he's like man just drive so find his way they'll home they'll get him <laughs> they'll find they'll find him <laughs> and he did that whole thing doing all that mm. and everything I like like you said a lot of people think like man that's insulting i was like no, no. he he did that mm-hmm. um yeah that's right he was in deep cover got his ass beat oh yeah he's been a lot of stuff oh uh, yeah other spike lee movies yeah he should have mm-hmm. yeah man uh well there you go y'all um uh, 
I think that's our discussion right there of do the right thing and why it is such a masterpiece and why it is very relevant, not only for Black History Month, but any month. <laughs> yeah, right. Just for the times. Uh, yeah. I mean, with what's going on today, I mean, these issues, most of this movie, I mean, it's sad because we look at most of this movie like we ain't saw the damn thing. You know, it's gotten a little better. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just odd to watch older movies, even from like 10 or 15 years ago. And there's in them, this thing's yeah. in them and you're like, oh, yeah, that doesn't exist anymore. And nobody looks at it this way. Yeah. And yeah. this is cringe. Mm. And, yeah. oh, boy, did we really think like that? And you watch this and you're like, huh, was this made last oh, yeah. week? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, one thing has gotten better. Brooklyn. It's such a nice place now. <laughs> Oh, all those restaurants and boutiques they got now. Yeah, ain't no boutiques running around. No, Problem no solved. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you got a you get a white woman at brunch in the neighborhood. It's good, man. <laughs> all good. Um, somebody said rating. Well, I mean, it's more of a discussion. But if I had to give it a rating, I'm I give it what I probably would have given it years ago had I had that rating system. It's a better than sex movie for me, man. Uh, it's a brilliant movie. It is a masterpiece. It's in, and this is what really made me think that Spike Lee is a genius, man, as far as, you know, a creative genius. I mm -hmm. mean, this guy just it's incredible what he did at 32 with this movie. I, I, I know that might that might be hyperbole and exaggeration, but that's how I feel, man. I, I think this film's incredible. Yeah, it's a great film to go rewatch to just to see more in it and, all you know, just the complexities of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh yeah, love it, love it, y'all. Thank you for being here. Yeah, yeah. happy to represent. <laughs> <laughs> to get a certain perspective. <laughs> no, I will say, I will say, uh, no, it just because uh, it's been some quite some time since I uh, I last uh, saw saw this film. But uh, I was because you know I I've been exposed to a lot of uh, Spike Lee's movies or joints that he's made in the last mm -hmm. few years, and I feel like he's so, so yeah, that's what he says. Yeah, uh, it is his his filmmaking is so sporadic and weird, and mm -hmm. it's all over the place now. And so to remember, it's like, oh, yeah, we, he had absolutely something to say and mm -hmm. it felt focused despite feeling like a slice of life film. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. And across, you know, the writing and the directing and obviously the performances. And no, I, I agree. This is probably like a better than sex for me. It's not my favorite of his films, but it's definitely up there. Yeah. Easily top three. Yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah. yeah. No, that's an Same. amazing film. And somebody just texted me, Porno Chris, he said the number of people who who careers just had gone on to explode sure. after oh, this I know. was yeah. he says it's phenomenal mm -hmm. the yeah. up and comers in this movie man mm -hmm. oh folks there you go there you go all right gonna take a little bit of a break 